Hello, and welcome back to Double Trouble. This is Tess. And this is Chloe. How's it going, guys? What are oh we up God. to? New year, new me, bitch. <laughs> new year, new... Is this the first... Uh... No. <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know where we are. This is no. not the first podcast this... we posted in 20... No, this is the second one. I don't know where we are. Our last fuck, one was like I should have done ago. the new year, new me shit on the last... What the hell am I doing? Uh... Opportunity missed. I... It's okay. I'm so sad. <laughs> I think, well, I think that whole, like, um, resolution thing is bullshit anyways. Honestly, I think you can change yourself any time of year. Yeah, so. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, we missed the, we missed the, see you guys next year. We haven't seen you since last year. Yeah, that one was a really missed opportunity. I hate those fucking gifts, those jokes, but I also think they're fucking hilarious. I so, like yeah. Well, they'd be funny in this. I just hate when people are like, haven't talked to you since last year. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I saw you yesterday, you son of a bitch. I do that. I'm oh. <laughs> one of those people that's like, hey. I should have <laughs> ate you in the womb. <laughs> she did try and kill me, guys. So oh, Cash. Close enough. Just cash. Yeah. And that wasn't even when we were in the womb. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, it was. I know. Oh. That's the joke. <sighs> When we say true crime, we mean it. She says, I hate the next year jokes, and then she makes dumbass dad jokes like that. Oh, Oh, all right. All right. Anyways, what did you do? I mean, let's start with our usual. What did Uh you do this weekend? Uh I can't remember what I did Friday. Fuck. I I mean, I worked, and then I came home and was super fucking tired because I had to go in. Yeah, I had to go in early. I don't. I don't think anyone the podcast knows, but I did start a new job. Yeah. So I work for a small business, which is fantastic. We have an office cat. And dog. And dog. There, there's multiple dogs. Honestly, it's fantastic. But my manager was not feeling well on Friday, so I went in early and worked a little late as well. So I was just, on Friday, I was just exhausted. I was like, I came home and I was like, I'm going to sit in bed. Boo. It was not, I kind of not like, to sit, not, not the sit in bed part, the job part. Oh yeah, just working a lot. I hate work. Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> no, just working. Hey, can I get a fuck capitalism in the chat? I just had a stronkest ponkus. A... Did you hear that? Stonks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, my, uh, my coworkers and I, uh, her name is Asia. We literally go, one strong. <laughs> so I started saying strongest ponkus because of like honkus ponkus with a, with a goose. Back to your weekend. So you had work. Work on Friday. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I kind of forget what I did. I know I did things. Oh, we we hung out on uh-huh. Saturday. What uh-huh. did we do? Breakfast and nails. Oh, Tess and I did breakfast and nails on Saturday. I uh, completely forgot about that. It's okay. I usually forget too. Holy sh! Wow. Chloe got a petty. Oh my gosh. Um, shout out to my man's Benjamin. He's never gonna listen to this, but he does my nails every time, and I fucking love him. He's a cutie, dude. He's fun. I just love. He's so funny and he's so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always does, and he always compliments my nails too. He's always like, "That's a really good color for your skin tone." Because I like, do a lot of the darker uh, colors because I'm paler. You're like, I know and, Benjamin, but thank well, you it's for so the validation. sweet. We did Duo Crow on my toenails, which what is like is Duo Crow. So that's the one that like shifts colors in the light. Oh, okay. So we did that on my toenails and he was like that's so pretty oh my god because at first he was like you want to do duo crown on your toes and i was like yeah fuck it like you know you're like yeah i wear open toe shoes people aren't gonna see it a lot yeah that's the thing but then we did it and he was like that's so pretty and i was like i know don't question the master that was really true that was literally so fun and then alistair and i came home i think we chilled i had a friend over and then today i went and hung out with my man's rusty Rusty, the ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. I fucking love, dude. Oh my god, we had to. We um, sorry. I'm so excited because yes, what? I'm so excited because we um, we went to. So we went to get ramen, and then we got boba. That's just like kind of a thing we do. That's like one of our things. We usually go there like around the nighttime because usually we grab like dinner mm-hmm. and boba. Um, I love cheesecake. I love Boba in the nighttime. Uh, no, so usually we go there. <laughs> just cash. Uh, just casual. But we pass by this like import shop that imports snacks and oh. shit like that from Japan. That's cool. We should go there too because yeah. you would love it. Yeah. Uh, I got Japanese Kit Kats. Can we put it on the list? Oh, they have green tea Kit Kats, bro. They do. Well, they do didn't they at the it? shop. You can actually get those at most Are they um, seasonal? like Asian markets. You can get oh, them okay. at most Asian markets. Okay. Any like international market, you can usually find those. But they had like the harder to find. So they had strawberry cheesecake. Ooh, yeah. They had one that was called, it's literally called like adult cookie 
like kind of like I think it's a, basically the Japanese version of Biscoff. Mm-hmm. Fucking phenomenal. They had chips that were pork flavored, which I thought were fantastic. But they also like surprisingly, they were Lay's. Actually, <laughs> they were nice, nice. Ooh, girl. Chicharrones. She said, "Let me add a little." Oh, spice. sorry, I took high school Spanish. High school Spanish. <laughs> was, that is so sad. Yes. <laughs> oh no. But yes. So. We we just had, like, a bunch of fucking amazing snacks, which I know is so, like, cliche American. No, that sounds but fun. I, on it, frankly, Asia does it better when it comes to snacky. kind of snacky snacks, like chips and chocolates. Theirs are such better quality. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, America's all, like, processed and shit. And definitely, like, you know, that shit's processed, but it's... Well, other, other countries have less sugar have, and less additives. Well, yes, and they have, like, higher food loss. Yes. So we can't use half the shit that... Yeah. And oh my god, it's just fucking phenomenal. Yep. Bro, fucking phenomenal. So we should go. Okay. We should do a little date next weekend or something. Date That'll be so cute. I love little dates. I, I love friend a, dates. I love a good date. And then we uh, went back to his place and then we tried the snacks. But he also showed me, shout out to my man's Rusty. Um, I fucking love you. He knows I love him. Even though last episode I said that he does not give a fuck about me. I played that part of the podcast for him and he literally was like, you dumbass bitch. <laughs> But he don't listen to the podcast, so do he really care? Well, actually, I'm kidding. He seems kind of inclined to listen to it, so maybe he will one day, but I don't think my my friends don't have to, you know, listen. Hey, if my friends don't listen, they ain't real friends. That's oh, all I'm going to say. Sandra listens, and so does Jenny. Every single episode, I love you both so very much. Love you. They always make comments on specific things we say. <clears throat> it's really sweet and very kind, and mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was saying before... Rusty showed me some awesome new music. Lisa, like the Demon Slayer opening, stuff like that. The first take version, which is basically acoustic, and they only get one take of it. Oh. Fucking phenomenal. If, I swear to God, if only they did, like, American artists, too. That should that would be such a fun concept for American artists, mm-hmm. just to hear how they sound. Because it's, it's fucking phenomenal. Like, yeah. That shit that they do is... So that's what I did today, and then you came over, Wowzers. and we hella ate pizza. And here we are. And now we have wine. Yes. It's a great time. I said, I feel I feel like it's a wine night, and I need some wine for this potty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that didn't that work out. sound good. Sometimes, okay, guys, so I add E to a lot of my words, like, okay, let's grab an Uber. I'll be like, okay, where's the Ubi? Like, I hate it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I say that so much. I'm actually pissed. I, mm, I hate it, but I love it, and so I will continue to do it. But sometimes I add the E to the end of words, and it doesn't work. Like, podcast. Potty, Potty. does not work. No. Nope. no that's and I it. find it out after I say it. So, um, if it makes you feel any better, I legitimately it. don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately, I was going to say that I legitimately no longer say that I'm angry. I exclusively say that I'm angry because I hate saying that I'm angry. So I go, I'm angry, and like it kind of just takes kinda the edge makes off you feel of everything. Better. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like, like when you, you stub you might your really toe be angry. and you immediately curse. Yeah, makes it ever. You might really be angry, but if you say angry, you can't help but feel exactly. a little right? less angry. Yeah, exactly. It's like listening to L City Fireflies. Let me. Uh, I just like to not? say, you would not believe your eyes have ten million fireflies lit, lit up, up the, the room. room as I fell asleep. You know what? It's room. Good fucking question. I don't know, it's but room. also I would just like to say. You can't listen to that song and not have serotonin. Mm-hmm. Frankly. Agreed. I mean, that that works better than my Prozac. <laughs> Ten hour loop. <laughs> Ten hour loop of fireflies. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. What did you do this weekend? Oh, thank you for asking. Friday, I... What did I do? I think I, I got off of work for the day, and then I think I took a nappy. Yes, you did. Okay, thank you for confirming that. Um, I texted you and you like replied at 9 p.m. And I was like, oh, she slept for four hours. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's, if that's I don't respond, I it's because I don't, one, she's, don't want to, two, am napping. Or she's in the shadow realm. She's gone. Yeah. She's I'd, sleeping. I'd be, I'd be napping. She Animal Crossing Dream Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hung out with a friend and we watched some movies. And then Saturday... We went to brunch and we got our nails done. Oh, guys, I got the prettiest nails this time. I think this is the new go-to. I'm not going to lie. Oh, like, like every time? I, well, not every time, but like when I don't know what I want to do or I don't know what color. I got like natural looking polish and then I got this iridescent powder yeah, you that got they hollow. put on top of it. 
What? Mm-hmm. You got holographic powder on it. Yeah. It's the rainbow mm-hmm, in the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the light, the 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 nails basically reflect rainbows, and it's so freaking pretty. I'll yeah, have to show you absolutely. guys later if you want, if you care. But they're really She's pretty. Like, I think these are like, stuff. I'm literally just looking at them while I'm talking about this, but I think they're like the, one of the prettiest nails I've had so far. I cleaned up my apartment a little bit yesterday. Really happy about that. Guinea cages. Yeah, clean the guinea ca- guinea pigs' cages. Shout out Petunia and Penelope. They were so hyped afterwards. They're so cute when you first put them in the cage right after you clean it. They're like, they like happy, like, wee, and they go, and they do like little popcorns. And for anyone who doesn't know what that means, think about how a popcorn bursts open in the microwave. They literally pop. Like, they jump and they pop. It's the cutest thing ever. Can we talk about how Petunia and Penelope, Petunia specifically, were giving me angles? In that video, like, in that video, you said, bro, Petunia I said is so angles. photogenic. Bro, legitimately, I was like, damn, bitch. Okay, jawline game, strong. Yo. She literally was like, Who? she was like, she was voguing in the fucking video. I'm sorry, I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so I sent out a Snapchat, like, and Petunia shit. was the, Petunia is the main character in this movie. <laughs> Anyways, so, um, clean the guinea pig's cage, cleaned my house a little bit, did laundry, oh! love that for me and then put off putting away the laundry until today which i probably still won't do it today vibe check. <laughs> also love that for hate that for me actually vibe check i would never put away my laundry until like a week later then i went to a goodwill before i came over because i was feeling a little shopping and now i'm here and i had some pizza and i have some wine yeah it's been a good time and i'm Seriously. living i'm living for We're it living for it you know what i'm not living for this murderer Seriously, he's a piece of shit. So let's talk this, man. Let's talk about that. Who are we talking about this week? So and we... who am I hating this week? So we're talking about Dennis Lynn Raider, aka BTK. And what does BTK stand for, Chloe? BTK stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. Hmm. And I also, I, I'm not going to refer to him as BTK because that was his he name that he gave himself. That. Yeah, yeah, uh, piece of shit. So we'll probably refer to him as Raider, dumbass, Darth bitch. Raider, basically, because he's a piece of shit. Uh, nice, that was good. Honestly, what, if you're a Star bitch? Wars fan, did you like that shit, oh. Darth Raider? I was popping off there. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> anyways, so. We're going to start off with a little bit of his early life. So, Raider was born on March 9th, 1945, in Kansas. I thought this was a little funny. He was born in Pittsburgh, Kansas. What the fuck is going on, Kansas? (laughs) So, he was born in Kansas in 1945. His parents were known to work long hours. He had a couple siblings, but I didn't really want to go too in-depth on his early life. I will just say he was kind of neglected in childhood due to his parents working long hours. Raider had actually said that he felt ignored by his mother and that he hated her for making him feel that way. So, yeah, I think mommy issues for sure were popping out. This might go into why he committed the murders that he did. He also... Against mostly women, right? Yes, it was against mostly women that he committed his crimes. His hatred for women may come from his mommy issues. He also did the stereotypical serial killer thing where he killed and hanged small animals in his childhood. I know, it's not... That's not That's one of the signs that you're going to be a serial killer. Absolutely. And then even when he was young, Raider had really, really just aggressive sexual fantasies about torturing what he referred to as trapped and helpless women. I'm going to go into a little bit of his sexual fantasy so you can kind of understand the reason why he killed the way he did. So we'll go into Raider's sexual fantasies. He was into voyeurism, which is basically, you know, watching people. It's watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just watching people when they're naked or in pain, you know, something like that. They find that, you know, to be sexually appeasing. So he was also into autoerotic asphyxiation. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like choking, hanging yourself. He also liked cross-dressing, and he often spied on female neighbors. This is a weird part. While dressed in women's clothing, including women's underwear that he had stolen. It adds to it. Yeah, it just... Well, and then on top of that, he would usually use ropes or, like, any form of binding around his arm or neck and masturbate with them. All right. So, yeah, he was very... His his sexual fantasies were strange. Between some of his murders, kind of what you would know as like a cool-off period, Mm -hmm. he took pictures of himself wearing women's clothes and a female mask while bound. He said he was pretending to be the victims as part of his sexual fantasy. So he enjoyed, yeah, it... 
Very, I'm just saying, like, very twisted. No, no kink shaming here unless you're hurting other people, and he was definitely hurting other people non consensually. So, yep, absolutely. That's just clear in the air. Just clear in the air. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, no, he was definitely. This was obviously. I mean, people were killed. So, yeah. Frankly, he was just. Ugh. And if you're trying to portray the victims, like fuck you. Yeah. Like get out of here. Yeah. No, it was just you know it was way too far. So while Raider, you know, had all these strange sexual fantasies and stuff like that. He actually was really good at keeping them well hidden, like most serial killers. He was widely regarded by most of his neighbors and family as normal, polite, and well-mannered. He actually attended Kansas, I think it's Wesleyan University, didn't do super well, and then joined the U.S. Air Force from 1966 to 1970. Hmm. He actually lived with his mother basically after that until his mother introduced him to Paula Dietz, who he then married and had uh, two children with, Carrie and Brian. He had, like, a job. He was, you know, just a normal working man, basically, mm-hmm. but he also killed people. Like, he was very much the epitome of a serial killer, you know? He yeah. can portray himself normally, but... I think that's the scary part, is you don't know who around you could be, like, crazy. Well, and that's the thing, actually. Speaking of, like, his jobs and things, one of his jobs was that he actually worked at the uh, Wichita-based office for ADT security. Oh, okay. From 1974 to 1988, and he installed security Uh alarms. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, that was part of his job, and a lot of the times when he was installing them, he would say... A lot of the homeowners would say they were concerned about the BTK killings. So he <laughs> uh, literally, he's like, oh yeah, he, yeah, no. So I mean, he, like I said, he very much was known as polite and normal in the public. He became a dog catcher in 1991, and this is kind of when neighbors noticed something was weird because <laughs> they said he was like really overzealous and super strict, and he like seemed to take pleasure in harassing or like bullying single women. That was, you know, that was kind of a weird part of his life, that work life, where people were like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was kind of known to be a little weird during that time. But he also quite literally passed himself off as normal because he was a member of Christ Lutheran Church and was actually elected president of the church council. Nice. On top of it, he was a Cub Scout leader for his son's Boy Scout troop. Sick. Yeah, so he was... There's actually one of the murders, he was on a retreat with his son and the Boy Scouts, and he went to his tent, packed up and left, uh, and everyone thought he was in his tent, so oh he my. had an alibi. Yeah, he's, you know. That's crazy. It's, this is, uh, some of the shit he does is like a Dexter episode, I swear yeah, to fucking God. honestly. So, I'm just gonna go over a timeline of the murders. We're not gonna go in detail on every single one, but I wanted to at least mention the victims, uh, say their names, and kind of give you guys a little details on that. He has nine victims that he did murder. One victim survived. This list of victims doesn't include women or men that he stalked and was not able to harm. So these are people that he actually got to. He did have potential victims as well that I won't be mentioning Mm -hmm. uh, because he wasn't able to do anything. Mm -hmm. So his first murder was on January 15th, 1974. He murdered Joseph Otero and his wife, Julie. He strangled them in their home along with two of their children, Josephine and Joseph. The second, Josephine was 11, Joseph was 9. On April 4th, 1974, he killed Catherine Bright, and he actually shot her brother Kevin twice. Kevin survived. That's our one surviving victim. And the reason, you know, why, if you're wondering why he wasn't caught, Kevin wasn't able to give a, you know, a fantastic description. Just basically said, you know, from what he saw, this there was this person with psychopathic eyes. Um, in March of 1997, Raider tied up and strangled Shirley Vian after locking her children in the bathroom. So her children were there for that. They actually ended up breaking through the window, and that's how they got out. April 28th, 1979, he actually waited inside the home of Anna Williams. She was not there, and he waited so long, and then he finally left. So that actually saved her life. He actually later sent her a letter letting her know that he was there. So basically it was like, hey, we missed you. Serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. We missed you while you were out. We missed you, babes. It's like when the Mormons show up and they're like, here's our pamphlet. You're like, no, that's a serial killer. <laughs> so that's basically what he did. When USPS shows up and tries to deliver something and they leave and the they door on even door. Knock. True. They're like, hey, we missed you. Yeah, except for this time he was inside the home and he was like, fucking, I'm leaving. He did have a lapse of crime after that. From 1979 to 1985, he didn't kill anyone. Was he busy? <sighs> yeah, he, he had children and mm-hmm. shit like that, so... 
Um, yes, he was busy, you know, he had his job and shit. Mm -hmm. And also, when he married Paula Dietz, it was said that he was basically infatuated with her, and she kind of distracted him from killing people. Like, he was so in love with her that he didn't think about it. Like, it didn't happen. Well, that's nice. He still, well, he still had, like, creepy cutouts and shit, like... He still had his creepy little porn stash. Yeah, he would just do his, like, thing yeah. and not yeah. kill people. So, yeah. So, okay. Uh, it's kind of hard, but that's the it's situation. It's kind of hard to, like, have that much sex drive when part of it's being taken away by a significant other. Like, the reason why he was killing is probably because he wasn't with this person. You know what I mean? In the beginning. Yeah, but even so, like, when did he, he marry still her? had the sex drive to go and, like, masturbate to the photos. Yeah, um, but he like, married her in 1971. Okay. The the break was 1979. So when oh, his mind. kids were, you know, so mm, yeah. it's not really, yeah. He's just busy. Okay. Yeah, he just, yeah, he kind of had a lapse. He was busy. Kids growing up, you know, like I said, Eagle Scouts, church, Ugh, shit like that. Damn kids stopping murders. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Thanks. But then he actually killed his neighbor, <laughs> Maureen Hedge, on April 27th, 1985. Then on September 16th, 1986, he killed Vicky, I think it's Wegerly or Wedgerl, who was 28. He strangled her in her own home. And then his final victim was Dolores Davis. She was murdered on January 19th, 1991. He was actually caught in 2004 slash 2005. The BTK murders were actually considered a cold case oh. in that era. Raider basically played himself because he got cocky and he started communicating with the media. So that's, he fucked himself up and that led to his arrest in February of 2005. Mm -hmm. So he actually, I mean, frankly, without the development of DNA and his situation, like his info, Mm -hmm. he probably could have gotten away with it. In March of 2004, the Wichita Eagle received a letter from someone using the return address, Bill Thomas Kilman, BTK. Oh, uh, the lender claimed that he had murdered Vicky on September 16th, 1986, and actually had photographs of the crime scene and a photocopy of her driver's license, which had been stolen from the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Before this, the, no one was really sure if she had actually been killed by BTK. DNA from under her fingernails actually provided police with evidence that, you know, he had done it. And they actually began DNA testing hundreds of men. What happened was over 1,300 DNA samples were taken and then later destroyed by a court order. So. Why? Because they weren't him. Isn't that not a thing? If police take your DNA, can't they keep it? In this situation, they were suspected of it and then they weren't. Okay, if you get charged. Yes, exactly. Okay. They weren't charged. If they go to jail. they didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, okay. They didn't do it. Okay, because I was going to say, no, that has to be true because if they have your DNA, they check the database. No, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you. I get it, I get it. Yeah, they, these people weren't charged. Yeah, They okay. were just suspects, so. 1,300 suspects? They tested a fuck ton of people because what? they were trying, I mean, this is a prolific what? serial killer. Yeah. They tested a bunch of people. Unfortunately, those were taken later and destroyed via that court order. In May 2004, the television station KAKE in Wichita received a letter. It actually had chapter headings for something called the BTK story, <laughs> fake IDs, and a word puzzle. Yo, I hate this guy. Yeah, I mean, he was straight up he like was really criminal minded. Yeah, he was fucking wilding. Yeah. On June 9th, 2004, a package was found taped to a stop sign at the corner of First and Kansas Road in Wichita. It had descriptions of the Otero murders and a sketch labeled, The Sexual Thrill is My Bill, which, the rhyming, I'm sorry, you kind of have to laugh because it's like, what the fuck? Gross. Uh, It also enclosed a chapter that listed for like a proposed book titled The BTK Story, which was kind of like a copycat of a story that was written by a TV crime writer. And then it also had a chapter in that little copy titled, a serial killer was born. That was Mm -hmm. the first chapter. Mm -hmm. Later in July, a package was actually dropped into the return slot at a public library. It had a bunch of other random shit, too. Uh, It had a claim that the BTK killer was responsible for the murder of Jake Allen in Argonia, Kansas. That had occurred earlier that month. This claim was actually found to be false. Uh, The death was ruled as a suicide. And I I am going to say, some of these I'm not from... The details, I'm not sure if Raider actually did that communication himself. It doesn't Mm. seem like it. That one specifically, he has, from what I understand, he hasn't confirmed or denied that he did that communication. Mm -hmm. But it seems weird of him to claim something that he didn't do. 
Mm-hmm. So that one specifically I'm a little iffy on. And then in October of 2004, Raider was actually planning a murder that month. I don't oh. know why he didn't happen. I don't know why. I think he caused too much attention mm-hmm. to come to himself. Uh, he actually dropped a manila envelope into a UPS box, and it had cards with images of terror and bondage of children pasted on them. Oh. It had a poem threatening the life of the lead investigator at the time, who was Lieutenant Ken Ledware. And it also had a false autobiography with details about Raider's life, basically. Finally, we have, you know, in December of 2004, they received, the Wichita police received another package from BTK. It was found in Murdoch Park in Wichita, and it had the driver's license of Nancy Fox, which was also stolen from a crime scene, as well as a doll that was actually bound at the hands and feet and had a plastic bag tied over its head. What a weirdo. And then in January 2005, Raider attempted to leave a cereal box in the bed of a pickup truck at a Home Depot. I know, right? But the tr- but the truck's owner threw out the cereal box. Because he was like, who the fuck put trash in my truck bed? Yeah. It was actually later found, taken from the trash, once later had asked what the fuck happened to it when he was caught. And oh. surveillance tapes actually showed video from the parking lot where it showed a distant figure driving a black Jeep Cherokee and leaving the box in the truck. Mm-hmm. So, What was in the cereal box? I, I think it was just messages okay. about... it. I wasn't really able to find a lot of information on that one. I know it was retrieved from the trash, but I don't know. You know, more it was his, trashed. More so. of his dumbass notes. Probably. And, and, you know, in his notes, it's noted that, like, his spelling was terrible. His, like, it was just fucking... <laughs> yeah, it was, like, grammatically incorrect. Oh. Like, it was fucked. Like, it was... Yeah. It was noted that, like, his... Like, literally, they were like, this man's dumb Did as Did BTK hell. write this, or did a five-year-old? Ooh. 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 Oh, shit. You would tell him. Got him. Write him a letter. He's still alive. Anyways. Oh, no one write him a letter. Please don't. Don't I was talking to Tess, but also, yeah, don't do that shit. And then in February of 2005, he actually sent more postcards to KAKE and left another cereal box at a rural location that had another bound doll, which was supposed to symbolize the murder of 11-year-old Josephine Otero. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that murder. It's actually pretty sad. So that one is just, he's a piece of shit, obviously. Yeah. But that was fucked up. He, mm. I get goosebumps. Dennis. Yeah, fuck you, Dennis. Who the fuck has a name like Dennis? Dennis. I'm sorry if we have any fans named Dennis, but what the hell type of shit? You know, I am sorry if we have any fans named Dennis, because that's a shitty name, Val. Anyways. Correct. All Dennises, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) All Dennises, I'm not your chat. (laughs) Unless you're a dumbass Dennis like Raider. Yeah. If you're a cool Dennis, you still got a shitty name. We're going to call you down to earth Dennis. (laughs) But if you got a fucking piece of shit, motherfucker. Damn, Dennis. Damn, Dennis back at it again with the white vans. Back at it again with I the know. shitty name. Oh, oh so sorry. Back at it again with the serial killings. All uh, right, last one. Shit. This is kind of where his downfall comes in. He's okay. writing all these letters, right? And then he asks, hey, if I send a, a floppy disk, you guys can't trace it, right? What a dumbass. And of course the police are like, oh, no, no, you can't fucking do that. They actually replied to him in a newspaper ad on Wichita Eagle. Uh-huh. And they said, no, we can't trace that. Like, no. Why would you ask the people who are trying to catch you? Well, because he's fucking, he wants attention. Rule number one. You can't communicate with the people who want to catch you. Rule number two. Don't fucking kill people. Rule number three. Don't be named Dennis. I can't bring people back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Is it nice? Or whatever the fuck you say. Is it nice? I don't like doing it. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. Shout out Robin Williams. So anyways, he's like, can I do a floppy disk without having it being traced? And the police were like, sure thing, chicken wing. He fucked himself over. Dumb so <laughs> Dumbass Dennis over here at fucking. So on February 16th, 05, he sent a purple Memorex floppy disk to KSAS-TV in Wichita. It actually also had a letter, a gold-colored necklace with a large medallion, and a photocopy of The Rules of Prey, a 1989 novel about a serial killer. Hmm. Police found metadata embedded in a deleted Microsoft Word document on the floppy disk. It contained the words Christ Lutheran Church. Stupid. And the document was last modified by Dennis. Oh. Quick Google search determined Ra- Dennis Rader was the president of that church council. I'm so fucking weak. What happened was... This is why we drove- do everything on paper, people. 
Uh, even paper they can fucking trace. Yeah, nowadays, I mean, just you. Jesus. I'm just gonna say, nowadays you shouldn't kill people. Just don't, you shouldn't yeah, kill people. The, ever. the likelihood you're going to get caught is like 99. percent Yeah, nowadays, even you know, they say like you know, you can't trace cash. Yes, you can. So it's like nowadays, hey guys, no just fucking don't do fucking it. murder people. Before like um, 2000, maybe, maybe. Yeah, After I mean, 2000, I agree. You're fucked. Don't do well, it. Well, and he was fine before he started communicating. What you know, fucking dumbass. Ugh. Anyways, don't get cocky. That gets you caught. Yeah, they found out he was the president of the church. Uh huh. They drove by his house and saw a black Jeep Cherokee, the oh. type of vehicle that they saw in the Home Depot surveillance footage. Bada bing, bada boom. Probable cause. So they obtained a warrant. You're telling this... me the probable cause wasn't in the fucking metadata? Well, yes, but they had to, you know. That could no. be a used flogging. You know, you can't really... Okay, I guess. Yeah, you can't really. There's not... Okay. This, I don't like. I actually don't like this part about how they got to him. It bothers me. Okay. Police obtained a warrant to test a pap smear taken from Raider's daughter I at Kansas like State University Medical Clinic. I agree. I That really bothers me. I don't like that. I don't know why they didn't nope. bring him in for DNA or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I Like, that just... They were like, oh, they already got the daughter's DNA. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, That's dude, not how can that you, works. like, that just makes me so uncomfortable as someone who has to get pap smears every yeah. year. Because I'm like, what are you going to use my vagina swab to, like, fucking. Yeah. I hope my dad's not a serial killer. We don't fucking know. We don't talk to him. But I mean, shit, right? I mean, if he is, oh well. That wouldn't really be surprising, to be honest. So what happened was they had the pap smear, DNA test showed a familial match between that pap smear and the sample from under Vicky's fingernails. Remember, they had done all those tests for it. Mm-hmm. And that indicated the killer was closely Bada related to his Bada daughter. Bada yep, they combined See, that's the what evidence I'm saying. It's and they said, like, bam, arrest. That's not even like 100% evidence is like closely related to. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Just get his DNA. Well, that's what gave them enough to arrest. They didn't want to, they didn't want to, you know, cause oh. a flight risk or anything like that. Oh, so they secretly got the DNA of the daughter. Yes, that's uh, the, well, they, then that the probable cause caused them to get a warrant for the daughter's DNA. So they were kind of trying to get around about. him. So he would be like exactly. a flight risk. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, but I still hate it because as a woman, I'm just like, ugh, ugh. So ooh, ooh. that is how he was caught. That's how Raider hey, was charged. If it takes my pap smear to get a murderer yeah. caught, fuck it. Do yeah. It. So we're actually going to move on to. It's technically three of the murders, although the first case he kills four people. So these are six of the murders, technically. You can do some additional research on them. I used Murderpedia and a bunch of other sources, obviously. But where I found the uh, court transcripts was on Murderpedia. Tess is going to be reading the part of the judge, and I will be reading the part of Raider. So we're going to go ahead and get that started for you. I just wanted to give you some details on the first murder first. On January 15th, 1974, uh, the four members of the Otero family were murdered in Wichita, Kansas. You know the victims' names. We went over them earlier. It's Joseph, Julie, Joseph Jr., and Josephine. Their bodies were discovered by the family's three older children, who were actually at school at the time of the killings. After his arrest in 2005, Raider confessed to killing the Otero family. He actually wrote a letter that had been stashed inside an engineering book in the Wichita Public Library in October of 1974, which did describe the killing of the Otero family in January. Here are his own words of how the murders occurred. Like we said, Tess is going to be reading the part of Judge Gregory Waller, and I'll be reading the part of Dennis Raider. In regards to count one, please tell me in your own words what you did on the 15th day of January in 1974 here in Sedgwick County, Kansas, that makes you believe you are guilty of murder in the first degree. On January 15, 1974, I maliciously, intentionally, in premeditation, killed Joseph Otero on count two. Alright, Mr. Raider, I need to find out more information. On that particular day, the 15th day of January, 1974, can you tell me where you went to kill Mr. Joseph Otero? Um, I think it's 1834 Edgemore. Alright, can you tell me approximately what time of day you went there? Somewhere between 7 and 7.30. At this particular location, did you know these people? No. That, that's, uh, was part of my, uh, I guess my what you'd call fantasy. These people were selected. Alright, when you use the term fantasy, is this something you were doing for your personal pleasure? It was a sexual fantasy, sir. Had you planned this beforehand? To some degree, yes. After I got into the house, I lost control of it, but in the back of my mind, I had some idea of what I was going to do. I basically panicked that first day, so... 
beforehand, did you know who was there in the house? I thought Mrs. Otero and the two kids, the two younger kids from the house. I didn't realize Mr. Otero was going to be there. So you went to this residence, and what occurred there? Well, uh, I I did some thinking about what I was going to either to do either to Mrs. Otero or Josephine. I came through the back door, cut the phone lines, waited at the back door, had reservations about even going or just walking away, but pretty soon the door opened and I was in. Here the judge asks who opened the door. I just want to let you guys know. I think it was one of the kids. I think Junior, the younger. Joseph opened the door. He probably let the dog out. The dog was in the house at the time. And I basically broke into the house. Or, I didn't break into the house, but when they came out of the house, I came in and confronted the family, and we went from there. I pulled the pistol, I confronted Mr. Otero, and told him the reason why I was there, and that basically I was wanted. I wanted to get the car, I was hungry, food, I was wanted, and asked them to lie down in the living room. At the time, I realized that wouldn't be a really good idea, so I finally went ahead and had them moved. The dog was a real problem, so I asked Mr. Otero to get the dog out so he had one of the kids put it out. And then I took them back into the room. Into the bedroom, that is. I tied them up. They started complaining about being tied. I re-loosened their bonds a couple of times. I tried to make Mr. Otero as comfortable as I could. Apparently, he had a cracked rib from a car accident, so I had him put a pillow down for his head. I think he had to put a parka or a coat underneath him. Um, they talked to me about giving me the car or money. I didn't think they had very much money. And there, I realized that, you know, I didn't have a mask or anything on. They'd already ID'd me. And I made the decision to go ahead and put him down, I guess. Strangle him. Alright. What did you do to Joseph Otero? Joseph Otero? Joseph Otero Sr., Mr. Otero, the father. Oh, I, I put a plastic bag over his head, and then some cords, and I tightened it. Did he, in fact, suffocate and die as a result of this? Not right away. No, sir, he didn't. What happened? Well, after that, I did Mrs. Otero. I had never strangled anyone before, so I really didn't know how much pressure you had to put on a person or how long it would take, but... Was she also tied up there? Yes, uh uh-huh. Both their hands and their feet were tied up. Where were the children? Well, Josephine was on the bed and Junior was on the floor at the time. So, we're talking about, first of all about Joseph Otero. So you put the bag over his head and tied it, and he did not die right away. Can you tell me what happened in regards to Joseph Otero? He moved over, like, real quick, like, and I I think tore a hole in the bag, and I could tell he was having some problems there, but at that time, the whole family just, uh, they went panicked on me, so I worked pretty quick. You worked pretty quick. What did you do? Well, I mean, I strangled Mrs. Otero, and she went out, or passed out, I thought she was dead, she passed out. Then I strangled Josephine, she passed out, or I thought she was dead. And then I went over and put a bag on Junior's head, and then if I remember right, Mrs. Otero came back. She came back and- Let me ask you about Joseph Otero Sr. You indicated he had torn a hole in the bag. What did you do with him then? I put another bag over it. Either that, or I recollect I I put a cloth or a t-shirt over it, over his head, then another bag. Did he subsequently die? Well, yes. I mean, I was. I didn't just stay there and watch him. I was moving around the room, but... Uh, Alright, so you indicated you had strangled Mrs. Otero after you had did this. Is that correct? Yeah, I went back and strangled her again. And then that finally killed her at that time. So this is in regards to count two. You had, first of all, put the bag over Joseph Otero's head and he tore a hole in the bag. Then you went ahead and... Did you strangle Mrs. Otero then? Okay. First of all, Mr. Otero was strangled, or a bag put over his head and strangled. Then I thought he was going down. Then I went over and strangled Mrs. Otero, and I thought she was down. Then I strangled Josephine. I thought she was down. And then I went over to Junior and put the bag on his head. After that, Mrs. Otero woke back up, and, you know, she was pretty upset with what's going on. So I came back, and at that point in time, strangled her with a death strangle. With a cord, with a rope, and then I think at this point in time I redid Mr. Otero. He had awoken from passing out and he had torn a hole in the bag. I put the bag over his head, went over, took Junior. Oh, uh, before that she asked me to save her son. So I actually had taken the bag off 
And then I was really upset at that point in time. So basically when Mrs. Otero was down, I went ahead and took Junior, took him to the other bedroom at the time. I put a bag over his head. I put a cloth over his head, a t-shirt and a bag so he couldn't tear a hole in it. And he subsequently died from that. Then I went back. Josephine had woke back up. I took her to the basement and eventually hung her. I had some sexual fantasies. That was after she was hung. Then I went through the house, kind of cleaned it up. It's called the right hand rule. You go from room to room and pick everything up. I took Mr. Otero's watch, and I guess I took a radio. I had forgotten about that, but apparently I took a radio. Then I got the keys to the car. In fact, I had the keys, I think, earlier before that because I wanted to make sure that I had a way of getting out of the house. I cleaned the house a little bit, made sure everything was cleaned up, and left through the front door. I went over to their car, then drove over to Dylan's, and left the car there. And eventually I walked back to my car. So that was Raider's first murder. Between the spring of 1974 and winter 1977, Raider did kill three more women, Catherine Bright, Shirley Vianne Relford, and Nancy Fox. In early 1978, he also created his name, Bind Torture Kill, so BTK. At that time, he did also send a letter to the media and a poem titled, Oh, Death to Nancy, a parody of the lyrics to the American folk song, Oh, Death. In that, he did claim to be driven by the X Factor, which he characterized as a supernatural element. It's supposedly the same factor that has driven a lot of serial killers to kill, like, you know, Jack the Ripper, uh, the Hillside Stranglers, things like that. So he touched on that. And like I said previously, this was littered with misspellings. It was grammatically incorrect from what I understand. It was just, the, the poem was, was garbage. So we're going to move on to his fifth murder, which was his neighbor, Maureen Hedge. She was 53 and was found on May 5th, 1985 at East 53rd Street, north between North Webb Road and North Greenwich Road in Wichita. Raider had killed her on April 27th, and he actually took her dead body to his church, the Christ Lutheran Church, where he was actually the president. He, this was a little weird. It was a little, this, like I said, each murder's different, each escalates. And this is kind of where we see one of his escalations. He photographed her body in various bondage positions, and he had actually previously stored black plastic sheets and other materials at the church because he knew he was going to murder her. He later dumped the body in the remote ditch, and he had called this plan Project Cookie. I didn't mention this earlier, but he actually does kind of name all of his murders Project Something. So in this case, the name was Project Cookie. Yeah, it's he. This guy's wild. He, I mean, I mean, he's a fucking serial killer. He's fucking crazy, here, I guess. Yeah. So every single every single case is just kind of wild, and and the reason why they had such a hard time, you know, linking each murder to BTK is as we can see, it just escalates. It's completely different. At this time, he's moving bodies around. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That wasn't common. That wasn't the same pattern. So the police had a hard time linking these murders. Yeah. Especially on top of it, his suspicions as her neighbor were cleared because at the time, if I recall correctly, she had a guy friend basically come home with her and stay for like an hour. Mm -hmm. um, just like a guy friend. Like the, from what I understand. It sounds like they chatted. But he was actually blamed for the murder. Yeah. So there was no suspicion on Raider at the time. Because they were like. Oh it had to be the last person who saw her. So he wasn't even thought of as a suspect. That kind of moves us on to the fifth murder. Like we said previously. Tess is going to be reading the part of the judge. I'll be reading the part of Dennis Raider. Alright sir. Let's turn to count eight. In count eight, it is clear that on or about the 27th of April 1985 to the 28th day of April 1985 in Sedgwick County, Kansas, it is claimed that you unlawfully killed a human being, a marine hedge, maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation by strangulation, inflicting injuries in which Marie Hedge did die on April 27th, 1985. Can you tell me what occurred on that day? Well, actually, kind of like the others, she was chosen. I went through the different phases, uh, stalking phase, and since she lived down the street from me, I could watch her coming and going quite easily. On that particular day, I had another commitment, came back from that commitment, parked my car over at Woodlawn and 21st Street Bowling Alley at the time. Before that, I actually dressed into, I had some other clothes on. I changed clothes, went to the bowling alley. I went in there under the precepts of bowling, called a taxi, 
had a taxi take me out to Park City, had my kit with me. It, it was a bowling bag. I pretended I was a little drunk. I just took some beer and washed it around in my mouth. The guy could probably smell alcohol on me. I asked, and I told them to let me off to get some fresh air. I walked where the taxi left me off to her house. Where does she live? Uh, 62, uh, 42, 54, I'm gonna check with my attorney. Uh, 6254 North Independence. As before, I was going to have, um, sexual fantasies, so I, I brought my hit kit. Um, and lo and behold, her car was there. I thought, geez, she's not supposed to be home. So I very carefully snuck into the house, kind of like a cat burglar. And after checking the house, she wasn't there. So about that time, the doors rattled. So I went back to one of the bedrooms and hid back in there. She actually had come in with a male visitor. They were there for maybe an hour or so. He left, and I waited till the wee hours of the morning. I then proceeded to sneak into her bedroom and flip the lights on real quick like. I, th I think the bathroom lights? I didn't want to flip her lights on. And she screamed, and I jumped on the bed and strangled her manually. You indicated this woman lived down the street from you. Did she know you? Uh, casually. We walked by and waved. She liked to work in her yard as well. I... It was just a neighborly thing. It wasn't anything personal. It was just a neighbor. Alright, so she was in her bed when you turned on the lights in the bathroom? Yeah, in the bathroom, yeah. So I could get some light in there. Then I manually strangled her when she started to scream. After that, since I was in the sexual fantasy, I went ahead and stripped her. I probably went ahead and... I'm not sure if I tied her up at the time, but anyway, she was nude. I put her on a blanket, went through her purse, some personal items in the house figured out how I was going to get her out of there, eventually actually moved her to the trunk of the car, took the car over to Christ Lutheran Church. This is where the older church, you know, is, and took some pictures of her. Um, I used a Polaroid camera. Did you keep those photographs? Yeah, the police probably have them. That was it. She was already dead, so I took pictures of her in different forms of bondage, and that's probably what got me in trouble was the bondage thing. So anyway, that's probably the main thing. But anyway, after that I moved her back out to the car, then we went on East 53rd. What occurred then? Sir? What happened then? Oh! Trying to find a place to hide her. To hide the body. Did you find a place? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Where? I couldn't tell you without looking at a map, but I think it was on 53rd between Greenwich, maybe? Let me check with my attorneys. What's the one between Greenwich and Rock? Web. Web! Webb, I think. Between Webb and Greenwich. I found a ditch, a low place on the north side of the road, and hit her there. Alright, you say you hit her there. Well, yeah. There was some trees and brush, and I laid that over the top of the body. Alright, so you removed the body from the car, put her in the ditch, and then moved some brush over the body. Yes. And that was his fifth murder. We'll move on to his next murders, but I wanted to give some details on the ones in between that last and final murder. Additionally, two of the women Raider had actually stalked in the 1980s and the mid-90s, ended up actually filing restraining orders against him. One of them also moved away. Like I said, he did have some additional murders, killed his neighbor, things like that, but I know we didn't talk about the ones that kind of got away, that didn't, you know, get murdered. So I wanted to go ahead and put that information there, that he did actually have some woman that he had stalked, kind of put a restraining order against him and such like that. After the murder of Maureen Hedge, we obviously have Vicky's murder, and then finally uh, Dolores's murder as well. So we have Vicky's murder a year after, on September 16th, 1986, and then Dolores's murder on January 19th, 1991. So we'll go into that last murder for you guys. Tess is going to be reading the part of the judge. I'll be reading the part of Raider. There's just a little bit of information here, so we can go ahead and go over that with you. So in regards to Dolores E. Davis, that was his final victim. She was found on February 1st, 1991 at West 117th Street North and North Meridian Street in Park City. Raider had killed her on January 19th. Sir, let's turn to count 10. In that count, it is claimed that on or about the 18th day of January 1991 to the 19th day of January 1991 in the county of Sedgwick, state of Kansas, that you did unlawfully kill a human being, that being 
Dolores E. Davis, maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation by strangulation, inflicting injuries from which the said Dolores E. Davis did die on January 19, 1991. Mr. Rader, please tell me what you did here in Sedgwick County, Kansas, on that day to believe you are guilty. On that particular day, I had some commitments. I left those. Went to one place, changed my clothes, went to another place, parked my car. Finally, made arrangements on my hit kit, changed my clothes, and then walked to that residence. After spending some time at that residence, it was a very cold night that night. I had reservations about going in, but I had cased the place before, and I really couldn't figure out how to get in. And she was in the house. So finally, I just selected a concrete block and threw it through the plate glass window on the east and came on in. Alright, you used a concrete block to break the window. Uh-huh. Plate glass window, patio door. Next, I just went in. She came out of the bedroom and thought that a car had hit her house. And I told her I had the ruse of being wanted. I was on the run. I needed food, car, warmth, you know, warm up. I asked her, I handcuffed her, and kind of talked to her. I told her that I would like to get some food, get her keys to the car. Uh, kind of rest assured, talked with her a little bit, calmed her down a little bit. Then eventually I checked. I think she was still handcuffed. I went back and checked out where the car was, simulated getting some food, odds and ends in the house, kind of like how he was leaving. Then I went back and removed her handcuffs and tied her up and then eventually strangled her. I took some personal items from there. Did you take personal items in every one of these incidences? Uh, I, I did on the hedge. I don't remember anything at Vicky's place. The Oteros. Yeah, I got the watch and the radio. I don't think I did any at Bright's. Vivian's? No, I don't think so. Fox? Yeah, I took some things from Fox. I was hit and miss. Probably if it was a controlled situation where I had more time, I took something. But if it was a uh, confusion or other things, I didn't because I was trying to get out of there. Kind of like Mrs. Hedge, I actually had a plan on leaving, and I put her in a blanket and drug her to the car, put her in the trunk of the car. I really had a commitment that I needed to go to do, so I moved her to one spot, took her out of her car. This, this gets complicated. Then the stuff I had, you know, clothes, gun, whatever, I took that to another spot in her car, dumped that off. Uh, okay, then took her back to her house, um, left that. Let me think. Okay, in the interim, I realized I had lost one of my guns. I, I dropped it somewhere. So I was distraught, trying to figure out where my gun was. So I, I went back to the house and realized I had dropped it when I went in, when I had broke the place glass window. Um, it dropped and fell on the floor right there, and I found it right there, so that solved that problem. Anyway, I went back out, threw the keys, checked the car real quick, like threw the keys up on top of the roof of her house, walked from her car to, back to my car. Took my car, drove it back, and either dropped more stuff off or picked her up, put them in my car, and then I drove up northeast of Sedgwick County and dropped her off underneath a bridge. So all of these instances, these ten counts, occurred because you wanted to fulfill a sexual fantasy. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that is the court transcripts and the details of those six murders, the first, the fifth, and the tenth. So now we'll kind of be moving on to Raider's arrest. Like I said previously, um, that pap smear, you know, we had probable cause, that DNA test, and then we saw the Jeep Cherokee. So we had probable cause and he was arrested. He was actually arrested while driving near his home in Park City shortly after noon on February 25th, 05. An officer actually asked him, Mr. Raider, do you know why you're going downtown? And he replied, oh, I have suspicions why. So, yeah, fucking creepy, creepy-ass motherfucker. I mean, after all this time, and contacting the media and speaking with the police, at some point you have to you think know, you're going to get caught. Right, yeah. Or so, have an inkling that you're going to get caught. Ugh, Why else ass. would he be being arrested? Dumb you know? ass, right? So, the police then proceeded to go ahead and search his home and vehicle, and they actually seized some evidence, including computer equipment, a pair of black pantyhose retrieved from a shed, and a cylindrical container. They did go ahead and check the church as well, um, his office at the City Hall, and the main branch of the Park City Library, but they didn't find anything else. And then the next day, at a press conference, they went ahead and released that. They said, the bottom line, BTK is arrested. Yay! So they kind of, yeah, they kind of, you know, calmed everyone's fears and were like, you know, we mm -hmm. got him. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We got him. So we'll go ahead and move on to his sentencing. Uh, Raider was actually sentenced to 10 consecutive life sentences with a minimum of 175 years. At the time of his sentencing, Kansas had no death penalty. So if you're wondering why he didn't receive that, it's because Kansas just didn't do that. He was actually moved to El Dorado Correctional Facility on August 19th. And while he didn't seem to have any remorse or anything like that, during the ride over, he actually began to cry when the victim's family statements from the court proceedings came on the radio. For now, he's in solitary confinement for his protection. He gets one hour of exercise a day and showers three times per week. Wild. Yeah, solitary confinement's pretty. Well, I'm just, I'm curious as to why he would need it for his protection. I guess because he killed two kids? Or just because he was a serial killer and that's kind of um, notorious in prison? One of the, so, for Josephine Otero, this is a little graphic, trigger warning, but he did have a sexual fantasy and then essentially ejaculate onto her pant leg mm-hmm. when she was in front of him. So I don't think he was considered what they refer to as like a chomo, child molester. But I do think, you know, that the crimes against women and children specifically okay, kind yeah. of resulted in that mm-hmm. for him. Because I know in prison, those are the first people to get like beat up or killed as like child yes. molesters in, in particular. So I don't think technically, I'm, but he's, first of all, he's high profile. I really want to say it's because he was so high profile. include women and children. Yeah. That's like a big, you know, that's like not a thing there. So yeah. since they include women, children, and he's high profile, he was, you know, in danger. Yeah. Beginning in 2006, he was actually allowed to access television, radio, read magazines, and privileges for his good behavior, so. I mean, what else can you do in prison? Hopefully die. I feel like, well, yeah, but I feel (laughs) like, I feel like if you're not doing those things, what else are you doing? Especially in solitary, you can go crazy from not doing anything else. Like he wasn't already crazy. No, but you know what I mean. Like, just because you're in prison doesn't mean you shouldn't be allowed to read. You know? Maybe you shouldn't be if you're a serial killer. I feel like that's the bare minimum. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I just think maybe serial killers shouldn't be able to read books. Huh? I don't know. What do you think, Pluto? Pluto says, fuck you, BTK. Anyways, Pluto. (laughs) Pluto. Pluto (laughs) thinks that people should be able to read books. Pluto said, fuck 12. Anyway. (laughs) Pluto, go now. Oh, my God. They just got the serial killer. Oh, Oh, Jesus. Anyways, so. (laughs) So, like I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of crimes that had occurred that they, you know, thought, you know, is this BTK? Wichita police. We're fairly certain that Raider had stalked and researched a number of other potential victims. That does include one person who was actually saved when Raider called off his planned attack upon his arrival because there was actually a presence of construction and road crews nearby. But Raider did state in his his actual police interview that there were a lot of lucky people, meaning that he had thought about and had a bunch of murder plans for other people as well. However... Besides the ones that he confessed to, you know, the crimes that he had said he committed, they were not able to link him to any other crimes. Well, there you go. Yes. I do also want to touch on, I know we talked about, you know, him killing children. and I apologize, killing animals. He did kill children, but, you know, small animals and things like that. When he was younger. Um, yes. So I wanted to touch on his mental health, like his mental, his mentality. Yeah. So he was actually diagnosed with narcissistic, antisocial and obsessive-compulsive personality disorders. One of the things that he did, actually, which was really typical for a serial killer, was during his court case, he, like, went on this whole grandiose fucking speech about, like, blah, 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 and, like... So he... Yeah. So he did a lot of narcissistic stuff. Like, when it was hers, his turn to speak, or what? Yes, exactly, you know. He basically had a grandiose sense of self, and he kind of believed that he was special, and kind of entitled to, you know, special treatment... He had, you know, a need for attention. We can see that with him, you know, sending things to the media. He basically had a rigid order and structure and a complete lack of empathy for his victims. In the first reading we did for the transcripts, you know, he doesn't even remember who Joseph Otero is. Yeah. He he blatantly did not know who he was. Or the difference between the two, like, names. Yeah. Of he who was, was Joseph he was like, who? who was... Like, you know, he doesn't... He doesn't care about them. So it's it's pretty evident in, like, the transcripts and such. I'm sure for the other murders as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he just kind of drops bodies, you know, where he... In a ditch, he doesn't care. So. Mm-hmm. That is the story of Dennis Rader, a.k.a. the BTK killer. A.k.a. Dumbass Dennis. I know. Ooh, yes. I kind of want to, like, make Title a, the episode like, Dumbass episode, Dennis. Like, God, I wish we could. BTK. Yeah, I'll we put can. that in the comments. We totally can. No, I'm the no, one. No, we can't. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. In the it. comments. Dumbass Dennis. Yeah. 
BTK, or as we like to call him, Dumbass Dennis. Yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, that is the story of BTK. Fuck that Spooky. guy. That just puts, that gives Burger King a bad name. Oh, BK, BTK. Oh, God. That was kind of fun. I like that primary evidence. Yeah. Part of it. I, you know, I did a lot of research for this. I had a lot of, I had so many tabs. Mm-hmm. So, and like I oh, said, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I know we talked about, you know, shouting out podcasts last week. Yeah, so Serial on was one last. of those, right? I listened to Serial. I also listened to, oh gosh, I could go ahead and check my phone. But I know it I've was, listened to Morbid Tell This Case. And I've listened to I did listen probably to them as well. Crime Junkie, I feel yeah. like, has told this case. Those are my go-tos with true crime. So I've heard Morbid's for sure. Dude, Elena fucking hates BTK. She hates him with a fiery passion. I think it's so funny. Yeah. And, and Morbid. Yeah, no, I totally... Oh, she fucking uh, They have funny. a really good sense of humor, honestly. Mm-hmm. I The way they... They're so, like... They're just, like... She straight up is like, yeah, fuck him! And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck! You know? like Dumbass I just like, Dennis. I hear that shit, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, it just kind of, like... Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, so like scoop. <laughs> I'm like, you hear that shit? Like, you know, she just like so hates him, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, Sam. So yeah. I listen to the podcast. I listen to the podcast Serial Killers. I also oh, I listen to that one too. Yeah, uh, Serial, and then I also listen to. I was doing research on another one, but I wanted to shout out a podcast called Dark Histories. Fucking fantastic! If I recall correctly, I believe the host is British. He's he's fucking. His name is Ben, I believe Cutmore. He's awesome. So shout out to him. So I was researching a couple topics. So I listened to Morbid. I listened to a podcast called Where is the Line? Dark Histories. And then Serial Killers. And of course, I think I dabbled into some serial as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, you know, props to all of them. You guys are fantastic. Thank Mm -hmm. you for helping me out with my research. Because I always listen to podcasts. And then I go ahead and do my actual physical research too. So Mm -hmm. shout out to you guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Do you have any podcasts that you listen to that you want to shout out? The only thing I can think of is, I don't actually listen to this podcast, but I like this person. Mm-hmm. I went and saw Trevor Wallace uh, <laughs> at a comedy show about two weeks ago, or actually it was like a week and a half ago, for my friend Lauren's birthday. Hi, Lauren. He has a podcast that's called the Stiff Socks Podcast. God, that makes me so uncomfortable. I know. I don't listen to it. I think it, I, I would probably laugh it's at a it if raunchy. I did. But I've I know it's pretty raunchy. It. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty raunchy. That's the only thing I can really promote. That's yeah. about it because I like him. But... No, I totally get that. And he's so. really funny. And also his other person that's on the podcast, his co-host, I want to say it's like Nathan Blaustein or something like that. Let me look it up. It might be Mike. I don't know who these people are. Hold I'm on. just kidding. Oh, well, he that... was at the comedy show too. I know their memes. I just, yeah. I don't really listen to comedy podcasts. I usually listen to ones that are like about life. Also, a uh, shout out to Simply Pod Logical too. Hey, Christine, what up? I don't know if you guys don't like crime podcasts or you just kind of want like a life podcast. I don't know if you guys know of Christine from Simply Nail Logical on YouTube, but she does have a podcast as well that she does with her boyfriend Ben called uh, Simply Pod Logical. It's fucking hilarious. It's just, they just talk about life and shit and. I appreciate them. I, like, appreciate their perspective. It's very logical, very interesting. They're both really intelligent, so it's fantastic. Mm. But if you're interested in one that's, like, kind of just, like, about culture, life stuff, you know, shit like that, go ahead and listen to Simply Pod Logical, too. You got anything? Yes, so I found I found the co-host name. Um, it's Trevor Wallace and Michael Blaustein. And I saw both of them at um, a comedy show in Phoenix, like a week and a half ago and it was really funny so shout out them like chloe said their podcast is really raunchy while well, i literally just googled that i saw some raunchy stuff so that <laughs> topics that they've talked about so if that's not your cup of tea obviously don't listen to them but they are Maybe really don't funny listen to that podcast at work <laughs> nsfw nsfw for sure don't listen to our podcast at work nsfw it's it's safe with your headphones in yeah like this that's one what i could do listen to yeah I, I mean we we say shit and stuff like that but it's not like yeah we talk about some masturbate into a sock this is the stiff yeah, socks, stiff socks, socks podcast. yeah so like i don't know about that but anyways um, give us a shout out on the twitter that is double trouble tc if you want to mention us um just say hi or um try and give us some recommendations uh we would love that absolutely and in regards to recommendations too i've definitely looked at a few but um if you have any please go ahead and tweet us like tess said or go ahead and you know comment or send us a message on our instagram double dot trouble dot pod we would love to 
hear from them because I love to hear what you guys would like us to listen to. I know we talked about Nate last time. I'm definitely going to go through his list too. Oh, so, cool. cool. Um, I was looking at a few. I just didn't want to do too many from the list in a row because mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was kind of like cheating, you know. Oh, no, it's fine. Super silly. But I mean, I'm on that daily. I'm I'm liking mm-hmm. all the memes. Yeah. I'm out here on the meme pages for sure. So I we definitely couple, see you guys' comments. We have a couple other um, true crime podcasts that we interact with as well on yeah. those, um, which is really awesome. Uh, you can also send us an email at doubletroublepod at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. So like we said, um, go ahead and reach out to us if you have any suggestions. Questions. <laughs> All concerns. Complaints for the manager. Uh, I don't can, complain. I'll I can cry. give you to HR. Max definitely knows what's going through. Max, my cat, he'll go ahead and give you guys, if you have any concerns, he'll take some pause of time and he'll uh, go ahead and look into that for you. He'll make yeah. sure everything works out perfectly. Deleted. Meow. Uh, <laughs> delete that right now. Constructive criticism, posh. Constructive criticism, posh on that. Remove the podcast. Oh! <laughs> I really hope y'all heard oh that. My God. I think he heard us saying his name yeah. or something. He goes, yeah. I swear to God. Yes, he agrees. Me. We are going to go ahead and let you guys go, but we just wanted to tell you, like we always do, stay out of trouble. But if you don't, make keep it, it double. double. Max, any final thoughts on that? Meow meow. Meow meow. Meow meow.